3: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has
4: a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Hankook DynaPro. AT2 Extreme, but did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com That's the way tire buying should be.
5: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer
4: for details. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
1: Now let's get this party
4: started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, I don't know if we have as many, where were you? Um, as our parents did, right? Like, as w- w- our parents, the where were you was 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 Kennedy, right? For us, I think the where were you was uh, Challenger, right? When Challenger exploded, I think there's some other where were you's in sports. There's, uh, you know, the greatest comeback I've ever seen was in the Super Bowl with the with the Falcons and the Patriots. I can remember where I was for several different NBA games. I can remember where I was when uh, Kirk Gibson pinch hit and hit a home run in the 88 World Series. Do you remember where you were when fight broke out at the Palace between the Pistons and the Pacers? It's forever called the Malice at the Palace. Do you remember, Dan Byer, do you remember where you were when that happened? No, I don't. You don't?
0: No, I don't.
4: I I mean I it was
0: what 2004 was that it? Yeah. Yeah, I was so I was still in I was in Madison Wisconsin living there.
4: November 19th, 2004. Okay? And there's a Netflix documentary uh, which uh it's called Untold and there's raw footage that was not made available to the public. It is an absolutely outstanding documentary that tries to t- to tell you exactly what happened there's 45.9 seconds to go in a 97 82 game right you had some great players in it great players um uh, Steven Jackson Ron Artest uh, Jermaine O'Neal these these are they're all a huge part of the documentary Reggie Miller obviously Ben Ben Wallace who was a, a dominating defensive player But the actions of the Pacers were the ones that were the most vilified, and rightfully so. They're the ones who went into the stands and kicked the crap out of the fans. Now, there's a a comedian named Bill Burr. Do you guys know Bill Burr? And he used to do a bit that was fantastic, which was like basically for years fans have been yelling at players for a long time like, come up here. Why don't you come up here? And they did, and you know they clobbered rows of fans. But it was an ugly incident. Those are your, the, the, those, they pay your salaries, right? And you go out, you take out fans, and those players were vilified. They were suspended for the rest of the season. There's the fallout. There's a lasting legacy. There, there's there's all that stuff. Um, Ryan, how, how old were you when that happened? 2004. How old were you?
6: I, I was 12 years old. Do you remember it? I remember the highlights that night. I didn't watch it live but I remember the highlights.
4: So I was watching the game I lived it was my first maybe uh, my second full year at ESPN and I remember I was I'm watching the game at night I want to say it's a Friday night and I'm watching the game and then all of a sudden I watch it and I had been I had a show that was 7 to 1 a.m nightly. On ESPN radio, and I was obviously off that night. We were on Monday through Thursday. There was a different crew that was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But it was a six hour show, so you're you're still getting plenty of bang for your buck, right? And I remember watching it, and my lasting memory was just I, I it it was just the ugliest incident I have ever, ever seen. And it, you know, is gonna forever tarnish. I thought it would forever tarnish the legacy of Ron Artest, but Ron had a rebirth, right, with the Lakers. And by my estimation, his toughness and some, some timely shot making, that's why they won game seven against the Celtics. But man, was it a. It was scary. It was a scary incident. I, I use you're scared for players because they had things thrown on them and they felt like they're under attack. And you were scared for fans because, like, look, those fans are like you know, regular average Joes, you walk upon NBA players and there is nothing you can do, right? Except for run away. They're just too big, too strong, too athletic for you. So part of me understood the 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 player aspect of it. You know, you get yelled the nastiest thing in the world at you, like you're not a human being and you just want to go and smack somebody. On the other hand, you also know that, it, that a little bit of it is a little bit of it is, hey, this is part of the this is part of the deal. You go on the road, and fans for years have been told, you know, or or acted like idiots. Remember, there was the guy who used to sit behind the Washington Bullets uh, opposing bench, and he would just read insults the entire time. Like yes. he made the NBA superstar video. Like we used to celebrate these kinds of fans, and you know, at at some point, everybody has a limit, and those players had their limit, and they're like, that's enough. It's enough. The problem is it just, it became an absolute melee. And it wasn't like you could go and pluck one guy out of the stands that throws a beer cup at Ron Artest. You you don't know who did it. And you just want to go and beat the crap out of all of them. And they generally did. Man, was that ugly? Gosh, was that ugly? So there's a new Netflix called untold. And Jermaine O'Neal is going to join us uh, shortly. A side note. Um, in the summer of, I think it was 99, I think it was 99, I got to work out, I was still, a, I was going to be a college senior and they used to have a rule where you could work out with NBA teams in the summer, you just had to pay your own way. And so I got to work out with the Trailblazers and Jermaine O'Neal, this, I think this is like two years into his NBA career, but he hadn't yet played. And so he played in that, um, in that mini camp. And I, I remember going back to Stillwater, like, Dude, Jermaine O'Neal is the truth. Like That guy is so good. And he hadn't yet really played an NBA game. So he's young. I mean, obviously has had this wild road traveled in the NBA. Steven Jackson, I mean, people who know Jax's story where, you know, he was not eligible to go to Arizona so he had to go kind of the hardship route. He fought his way, like figuratively, fought his way into the NBA. And then, in this case, you know, you fight your way out of a building. Like, here's guys with different sorts of backgrounds and how they made it in the NBA. And now they're thrust into this ridiculous atmosphere and that's how they react. I I remember exactly where I was. I remember how it dominated the sports conversation. And I'll be honest with you. I thought it was forever going to be a legacy stain on the Pacers. It wasn't on Ron Artest and Steven Jackson. It wasn't, I don't think it was on Jermaine O'Neal either. If anything, it was more a legacy stain on the palace which has now obviously been imploded and they played a different place. That was like the, what you remember about the palace was that's where the Pistons played when they won back-to-back championships and where they walked off the court early when the bulls ultimately vanquished them. And that's where the malice of the palace was like, that's, that's really the, the lone national memories of this building. Looking back now and we're, it's not yet a clean anniversary, right? It's 17 years ago. But, but think of, think of what's changed. Think of what's changed. Has fan behavior changed? Well, I thought it had changed and now it's been changed for the worst coming out of, coming out of COVID. Has player behavior changed? I believe the answer is yes. I believe the answer is yes. But a lot of this is the security has, has changed. You know, I, I tell people all the time, like, look, if you have an issue and you're an NBA or an NFL player, just eject them. Just get rid of them. You just get rid of them. Maybe you get rid of the wrong guy. Got rid of him. Sorry. No problem anymore. He's out. He's on the outside looking in. That That's the best way. Guy throws something. Guy says something. Point him out. Let's get him out. We all want to watch. Because he. There's just no. No. No place for it. No place for it. All right. We'll try and get Jermaine O'Neal. Upcoming. He's a six-time NBA all-star. Oh, we, we got him. Okay. From the. From the creators of Wild Wild Country. Comes a five-part docuseries. It's got. The real story, the real footage you haven't seen. Netflix Untold kicked off their series with their first film detailing the malice at the palace as it's finally being told. And of course, Jermaine O'Neal joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's out on Netflix now. Jermaine, how are you?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself?
4: Good. When you when you find when you saw the the final edit of the Netflix piece, what did you think?
1: Um. It made me emotional. It made me emotional. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I look to try to do, um, you know, I've I, I tried to interview, well, I've I've interviewed uh, many directors and producers um, because I, I just, after a while, I felt like the story needed to be told because it was this, this created narrative that uh, was sticking to me um, like a tattoo. Um, and what people don't realize you know, some people may ask why now. You know, we went through an, a long, you know, tenure of, of, of you know, the criminal cases and also then the civil cases came. And this thing went on for almost 10 years after the brawl, right? And so, you know, we basically had a muzzle put on us where we couldn't speak about it, right? And then once we got to a point where we could speak about it, um, it was bitter to me. Right, because at that point I felt a certain way about a lot of different things, because you know this narrative was created, you know about me um, in particular, and also you know other people that were involved um, that you know really frustrated me because I knew for a fact that people didn't have all the information and didn't really even know the storyline. All they heard was thug, criminal, uh, tattoos, braids, you know, out of control athletes. And that was and that was something that bothered me because now, um, you know, I'm walking into boardrooms and business meetings and community, you know, functions and people are asking me, still asking me about that night. Um, so I wanted to do a doc, and I got to say a big thank you um, to Netflix, uh, the Way Brothers, and the director Floyd Russ, uh, who all believed in the vision um, and was able to. You know we wanted to do a, a, a doc that didn't alienate a league that I care so much about to this very moment, which gave me an opportunity to do the things that I'm doing uh today and also play a career for eighteen years. I didn't want to alienate um the Indiana Pacers, which gave me an opportunity to put a put my footprint you know you know you know in presence into into the league. Right. Uh, so, you know, they were able to, this was just more about having a conversation, having a real conversation and not, and not just, you know, crazy narrative that, you know, we were out of control players beating up fans.
4: What's, what's amazing about it is there's so much lost in it, right? Like lost in it was you were having a great season. <laughs> I mean, your best season, right. you're having a, a great season. Like that gets kind of dismissed. Like you had grown as a pro into this dominant 20 and 10 dude. And, and then, and then you you came back and played with the Pacers for several more years, um, but it it must have been, it must have been strange, right? Because some of the people who you thought had your back, I'm sure when you, I'm sure when this all went down, didn't have your back. Now, years removed from it, now if if you were to say this. Do you feel like this is what really happened, right? Because that's what came out of the Jordan thing is you'll get people go, well, that's what happened from Jordan's perspective with the last dance documentary. When you watch it, do you feel like that's what I feel like really happened?
1: Well, it's not not actually what I feel like. That's actually what happened, right? And And that's the thing, right? And so I absolutely felt like, you know, you talk about, you know, I remember coming back off suspension, which by the way, people don't realize that I actually took the NBA to court and got reinstated by a federal judge. I won that case. Like a federal judge, saw 28 angles that, that that was in that arena that night, right? And said that I had the right to do what I did. Right. right, this is important for people to understand. People don't understand that I had just got a guy off my neck, literally jumped on my back and put his arm around my neck. I ended up slamming him on the table, just happened to look left, see Anthony Johnson on the ground, and the haddad guy standing, you know, basically standing over him. And I run over there just to clean him up. Because at that point, I'm feeling, I'm feeling endangered. Right. And I think it's important, leadership. The word leadership is is typically used, you know, in sports. But it's a level of leadership that had to happen that night when people are trying to cause bodily harm to us. Right? And so when I look at this doc, I get emotional. Right? It's not, it's not, you know, and you have to understand too, when, when we, when we filmed this, We didn't film, I didn't see Steven Jackson once, I didn't see Ron Artest once, I didn't see Reggie Miller, Ben Wallace, Jim Gray, any of these people, right, it wasn't a control, it wasn't control, it was, hey, when I called the guy, I said, look, I'm doing this doc, we need to set this, set this, you know, this conversation straight, right, but most importantly, you know, Doug, that it was, it was a narrative that bothered me because it was, my league was under attack at the time.
4: Sure.
1: You know, no, became- people forget.
4: People forget a post-Jordan NBA. You know, you were with, you were first with Portland, and they would call. You know, they would call Portland the the Jail Blazers, or whatever. And then this was this was the see see. This is how NBA players act. And you're like, wait a second, you're throwing stuff, and there's no security. And you're not protecting the players, and and it's a little bit of a lesson for what we see now. When we see things on social media, which is you're, if you're only seeing like one camera angle or one perspective, you're not seeing the whole thing. Whereas this documentary, you have footage that no one else has seen. You're like, oh, well, that's a completely different view of the entire incident than I thought I had when I'd only seen the highlights running like in perpetuity on ESPN.
1: Yeah, it was controlled, right? And, and, and the thing I have to say from a perspective from the NBA is that they were put in a tough position, and I completely understood it you know, the Indiana Pacers were put in a tough position because they had no template, right? You have no template to deal with, you know, an entire, you know, media base, not only, you know, domestically, but internationally coming at you and saying, hey, this league is basically too black, right? Because when you talk about cornrows, tattoos, and and, and hip-hop music, who are you talking about? Right. And here's the thing, too, that I, that, that that poked at me was when you say we're criminals... Do, we, do I have a criminal record? So if I don't have a criminal record and I've won, I've won the NBA assist, Community Assist Award three times. How do you come to conclude that I'm a criminal? Because I have braids and tattoos. Because I like hip hop music, right? This thing became much more than just a punch, right, or a fight, right? It became a cultural attack, and that was the real problem that I had. And I don't, I don't blame the NBA. I don't blame the Indiana Pacers, right? You know, yeah, I, I was I was a little bit sensitive over the years that it was th- that the conversation wasn't revisited because because of the almost celebration of it, the anniversary, this anniversary that continuously happens every year. Right, it's an opportunity to to set you know set the table straight now that we're away from it, but it was it was never done. And so I just felt like it was time to to have the conversation. So now we can ch- we can turn the, the page and close this chapter.
4: Jermaine O'Neal joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Of course, he's a six-time NBA All Star. Uh, he was All NBA three different three different times, uh, and of course, he was he was part of what was forever called the Malice at the Palace. There's a new Netflix documentary, Untold. It dropped today. I watched it this morning. It is. Absolutely uh, breathtaking to see the footage and the views that you didn't know existed about something that this is very early on in my, in my broadcasting career. I remember, I remember how guys would say they wanted you guys out of the NBA for good, for good. Of course, Ron came back, had ended up winning an NBA championship. You came back and fought through it. And then of course, uh, you know, Jax came back as, as well. What was it like after this? Because what what was it like to come back and play in the NBA? Sue to get in the NBA. How are you treated?
1: Well, you feel you feel apologetic um, amongst, to my peers, right? Because now my peers is thrown into a conversation, right? It wasn't about just the players; it's about the league, right? You feel apologetic, you know, to the NBA, right? A special place, special place. Like I'm alumni forever. Right, and having an opportunity to, to play in that league means and meant everything to me. Right. So I felt a certain type of way. Uh and you don't really know what to say because you know that the NBA isn't quite ready to embrace you. You know the Indiana Pacers isn't really quite ready to embrace you because they don't know how to really deal with it. They knew the character of me as a person, but now you have the pressure of the media. Right. It's it's trying to it's trying to set a standard to a situation that they had no idea about. People don't even realize we were in there. We we were in that, on that court for over 10 minutes without any help, without a police in the building. And then when they actually got in the building, they're looking to pepper spray
4: us. (laughs) Yeah. How about the other 18,000 people?
1: (laughs) Right. And and it's, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy to, to think. And again, um, you know, when I look at this, it's like, okay, you know, it happened, right? And you, you never you never think going into a basketball game, um, which was a great game. We, you know, we had one big over, over the defending champions. We knew, you know, obviously they were an incredible team, but we felt like it was our time. But I never thought at any point that I'd go from playing in the basketball game to fighting for my life because now, you know, you seen you saw a couple of chairs being thrown in the film, but people, imagine being in a, in, in a, in a, in a, A Sporting event where now people are becoming violent. They're trying to separate the chairs to attack you with it They are throwing water bottles at you. They're spitting on you Right, it is it is it is a monster of a situation and people came to conclusions on television Right, I do believe as a journalist you have a job to do Right when you say something you have to at least do some research on it not say let me let me get my my take in and You don't have any of the information and that's what was so hard for me because we were told right away that we could not comment.
4: What's what should our takeaway be when when you have somebody who wasn't a part of it? And look, there's a lot of people. I I just you know I have guys in my crew that were ten, twelve years old when it when it happened, and they're like, yeah, I remember the I remember the highlights. Okay, I, I was in my twenty. I just finished playing and played. You know, overseas and came back, and I mean, now that was some—that was some European stuff. Like that's that the kind of craziness. And then it just it 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 it, it felt like anything you'd ever seen bad on AAU magnified. And then you, it's like this is the NBA, and this is—I mean, it's been you guys are are giants, and I'm just watching bewildered by what I'm seeing. What should our takeaway be? Obviously, the first thing is like the security. I always look at it and go. The the first thing you should do is get these people get get the guys that are unruly out of the building. Like, don't confront them. Just just get them out. I think too often times guys want to even players want to win an argument or point out who's the bad guy. Just get them out of the building. But from your perspective, like, what should our takeaways be? Fans, players, media. So here's the thing, right? It, it's a it's a
1: great relationship that has to come um, between players and fans. We need each other. Right, that's what makes these games so great. Um, that's what I love about playing professional sports or playing sports in general. Um, I think it's a balance, right, of, of how or what or what you know a fan should say to say or do to a a player, and also what a player should say and do to a fan. Um, right, where where is that medium when it comes to it? I, I do believe that you know you know every the leagues are better equipped now than they were back then. Right. That that was something that just wasn't, you know, just didn't happen. I think from a from a media standpoint is, um, you know, again, I think you do have a job to do, you know, um, preparation um, that you have to put in and take in as much information as you can uh, before you go and make a public statement. Uh, Because, you know, each 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 journalist has a fan base or people that watch them and support them. So they tend to believe what what they say. Right. And so if you're going to do that, right, make sure that you're saying the things that, uh, that are correct. And even if you do not, even if you get it wrong, have the same energy, the same energy to come back when cases are coming to a close that are won. Right. I won every civil case. Right. I, you know, the criminal part went away. Right. You know, the, the, the lawsuit, I mean, the, the, the case against the NBA to get reinstated reinstated, I won. But it was never anything said about that. Right, so you create a narrative. If you don't come back and you don't clean it up, so people think that this is what it is. So, you know, from, from my perspective, it's just now we get a we get a chance to have the conversation for once, and we're gonna close this. I'm gonna close the chapter for myself. Like I'm, you know, it's it feel like it's like I've gotten this buildup out of me now. Now people know about it. You know, it's interesting that I, you know, I went, I took a little bit. Of, I had a two hour break between interviews today. And I went to go get my phone fixed at Apple, and it literally, Doug, I not even lying. As soon as I walked in, the guy that was helping me at the door said, "Hey, look, you know, I, I saw the doc this morning. It's unbelievable. I didn't even know. Right? I thought it was this, but it was, but this is much deeper than that. And that's what it's supposed. That's the conversation.
4: Yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. It's really good. And I know you poured a lot of your soul into it, and you just wanted." You just want what really happened to be told. And I think that was accomplished. Jermaine, I know you're really busy. you got a bunch of these. We appreciate you taking some time and look forward to catching up more in the future.
3: I right, thank you, Doug. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is!
2: And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
4: Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat a slice of pizza in under 30 seconds or... I know it'll take you over a minute to down that two liter. If you have, then you're going to love pick six fifty in pick six credits. That's code Doug, only on DraftKings. Pick six, the crown is yours.
5: Terms at picksix.draftkings.com/slash
4: promos. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire rack has the tires that'll elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporting handling, all terrain tires for on and off-road adventure. Go to tirac.com to get started. Not sure where to begin. Use the tire decision guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Michelin tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to tirerack.com/sports to see their Michelin test results, tire ratings and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tirerack.com/sports tireac.com, The way tire buying should be. Doug Gottlieb show rolls on Fox sports radio. All right. So buyer now, what do you think now? yeah you know I, and by
0: the way the guys here behind the scenes were I, I did not mean to be a debbie downer when you asked me on if i remembered it or no, it's not okay, That's but, okay. It's a, but it's an honest response there are so many things you, that i go hold,
4: hold on do, like do you guys want him to lie and, and so yeah, I, I remember like it was yesterday when he doesn't
0: <laughs> no they just said that you did this great build-up and like dan where were you and i go i don't remember but but part of the reason why i don't remember is because it was not it wasn't on tnt it wasn't an espn game it was a. Fox Sports uh, Detroit game and so like mm-hmm. a lot of the information came up on on uh, you know Sports Center, and you know Ron Artest squaring up with a fan was like the first most startling thing and then seeing Steven Jackson in the in the stands uh, that topped that but after hearing Jermaine O'Neal and how you know like like the the scars and the wounds that that scenario left was 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 pretty pretty shocking. It's definitely something that I will uh I will end up watching in the very near future if not tonight.
4: Ryan, how about you?
6: I think uh it's it. first of all, yeah, I'm definitely going to check this out because it's super interesting. Cuz yeah, I was I was 12 years old when it happened. I only remembered the highlights, but I'm I'm thinking back and realizing like especially Ron Artest specifically, that's all I thought when it came to Ron Artest for the rest of his career whenever when he once he came to the Lakers all i could think about was malice at the palace and how that defined him and i think in hindsight i i definitely feel bad about it because i i don't want it was such an a, a crazy moment but these guys went on to do so many other great things in their career that that it shouldn't be something that that tarnished their legacy for for the rest of their career so um, I, I, yeah, I think it's it's super interesting that that's kind of how I, I realize now. That's kind of how I viewed a lot of these specific players for the rest of their career. I tied it to that specific moment.
4: Well, I, I think look, if you remember, over the past couple months, we've had some incidents with with fans, and why it's it's completely unacceptable because if you don't nip it in the bud, then it d- does become like this, and you know, um, and and honestly, most NBA most. Most NBA arenas are pretty tame, right? Now Friday night is a little bit different, but most uh, most NBA arenas are pretty tame in comparison to college. But the 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 thing I think people should realize is one, you know, like security just has to be better. Two, you got to eject people when they if they start throwing things, like you're gone, you're gone. Um, but I, look, my takeaway is is different than everybody else. I'm watching this this Colorado Rockies thing. And all of a sudden you're being told somebody's just yelling in the N-bomb during a baseball game with a black player at bat. And you're like, wait, what? And then turns out now he's yelling, dinger, dinger, dinger. And the only thing I could think of, and this is not the only incident like this, but where we have just a smidgen of information and we always it we, we always to be the negative, like the worst possible negative of somebody we don't like. Whereas, whereas now it's, we, we get the searching for racism, but there are times in which we search for somebody to be, you know, fall into, fall into some category of being a a thug, whatever. It was an ugly incident. I'm not going to lie to you. And, um, you know, there's different guys react differently, and Jermaine O'Neal is a guy who he kind of got lumped in with the Portland thing, and then he got lumped in with this thing. And by all estimations, anybody you've ever talked to who knows Jermaine O'Neal is like he's really actually a super thoughtful, nice guy. But you know, they they all got kind of lumped into this one boat of being thugs who fought with Pistons fans. I I still side with the Bill Burr thing. Fans sometimes have it coming to them. <laughs> you do. There are things you cannot say to other human beings and not expect it to elicit a reaction. I don't care about the protections you think you have under the law or because they're players in and your, and, and look, as a, as a player, you're told not to react, but it's really hard. It's really, really hard. But I, I do think a takeaway should be that we do need to take our breath. Sometimes get all the information out, get all the information out like we're having now with a documentary years later, before we come to some conclusion that guys are the worst human beings on earth. And this is not just about the mouse of the palace. It's about a million different little things where we didn't get a true perspective of it coming up next. What does Josh Allen's extension mean for the future of Baker Mayfield? That's next.
3: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 PM. Eastern noon Pacific. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry, in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about
2: human nature and more. Listen to the 5th Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table.
4: And where you drive, choose a full line of Continental tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com/sports to see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com/sports. TireRack.com Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. What is the old expression for every action? There's an equal and opposite reaction, right? We know that. Uh, that all part of what the Fox says.
3: And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say?
4: Every day at this time, the Doug Gottlieb Show, we play for you a, a previous portion of a show on Fox Sports Radio. For example, this is Colin Cowherd earlier today explaining why he believes Baker Mayfield is about to get a huge extension from the Browns.
3: Baker Mayfield size. He's short. Athleticism, not great. Arm, good enough. Maturity, got his issues. He deserves about half of what Josh Allen gets. But Baker is going to get paid. And there are two reasons why. One is the Cleveland roster is excellent. I think he has an excellent young coach as far as I can tell. I think he has an excellent young general manager. He's going to win games. But the second reason he's going to get paid, it's not about having a great agent. Baker has great leverage, and it's called fear. Companies are often petrified of going backwards. And Cleveland, the bar is so low that Baker Mayfield, by just getting them to a playoff game, is viewed as a savior.
4: I don't think, I, I do I think he's going to get a chance at extension? Yes. Do I think it'll be at the level of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes? No. Again, th- this is, herein lies the issue is, Baker Mayfield might have the best overall roster surrounding him in the National Football League. Let me, let me repeat that. Baker Mayfield might have the best overall surrounding roster in the National Football League. They had problems with their defensive backs. They seem to have fixed it. Their defensive front is filthy. They fixed the offensive line last year. His running backs, his wide receivers, super talented. And so, yeah, he's done a nice job. There has to be be room for the middle class in quarterbacks, and he's the perfect example of the middle class in quarterbacks. He's not Rodgers. He's not Mahomes. Not not Josh Allen, even at, at his peak. He's not Lamar in taking over the league. <laughs> I could go through who he's not. Doesn't mean he's not a damn good player. Doesn't mean he's not valuable and you can't extend him and pay him really good money for a long time. But over 40, hell no. Over 30, I think it's too much. High 20s, that's about right. I, the, the issue is that, yeah, nobody's willing to go backwards, but they're always... They're all just let him play the market. Keep in mind that quarterbacks, the number one overall pick, he's already been well compensated. Okay, like go and look if you you can Google right. Just Google Baker Mayfield's contract. Right? There's a company called Sportac.com. They have all the contract details. Okay, look, did he make? Huge money in comparison to Pat Mahomes? No, but with, with all the cash that was given, he made 22 in his first year. And then of course the second year you don't make much. That's because you got all the first and second year paid up front, but his fifth year, okay. Cause he's going into his fourth year, his fifth year, he'll make $18.85 million. Now, is that a huge money? For a four-year, thirty-two million-dollar contract, where he's only going to make um, only going to make an, uh, about ten million this year, ten million for a fourth-year quarterback doesn't seem like that huge money. And then you look at yearly cash; you're like, "Well, it's only five million dollars." Well, part of it was it was paid up. He had you get money paid up front. So for next year, it'd be eighteen point eight. And then if they wanted to keep the franchise tag thing going, now he's making in the thirties guaranteed. There is no reason with 18.8 on the books for next year, the Browns have to negotiate, renegotiate, have to do anything. We're going to compensate you this year. You're making about 10 for this year. Next year, you're going to make about 19. And if we want to keep you in franchise tag, yet, you're going to make in the 30s for up to two years and then in the 40s in year three. I don't understand why no one will play the game and be flexible, especially considering if Baker Mayfield wants 40 a year, good luck to you. Go play the market. See if that's available. Because the truth is, nobody's paying Baker Mayfield $40 million to be their quarterback. Would they pay him 30? Probably. 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 But if you're the Browns right now, considering he's had an up and down run, He was okay for part of last year. They did make the playoffs. He has done a lot of really good things. And I like Baker a lot more than Cowherd likes him. But this whole, like, well, you got to do it because you got to, what are you afraid of? Plenty of quarterbacks on the market can get you there with the overall surrounding talent. If it's me, I, I definitely don't go a penny over 35. I understand the way the market's working. I understand that everybody feels like they're going to get, but that the reality of it is that's not the case. And the reality is you have them under contract for at least two more years, plus two more after that with the franchise tax. You don't got to give them anything. You're negotiating from a position of strength. Negotiating against yourself is a, a position of weakness. That's what the Fox is.
3: Ah! What does fox say? Doug
4: Gottlieb show here on Fox sports radio. Byer, you know what uh, uh, I think is interesting is this this Messi signing a two year contract with PSG, right? Yeah, um, Paris Saint Germain. So, and it it does look like he didn't. Did they not have a Paris Saint Germain T shirt to give him? They gave him a jersey. He was in a full kit when
0: uh there's there the, the whole Michael Jackson sort of thing that you were talking about. Yeah, that was different. But they did do a thing uh at their stadium with him in in a full uniform, wearing number thirty. And uh so that was so it was different seeing him in, in that sort of kit, but that's what they that's they did that at the stadium, but when he was on the balcony he was just wearing a shirt that you looked like you get at, you know.
4: Right, it's like Ever-Crabby you're walking. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, no, it's like you're walking through the airport. Like, I need a a shirt that says Paris. <laughs> right away, Messi. What size yeah, shirt do you think he wears? That one is not snug fitting. Do you think that's a
0: medium? Um, yeah, I would say yeah, probably a medium. Medium. Yeah. Do you think yeah. he got that at Hudson News in Paris or Hudson <laughs> News?
4: Nice, Hudson <laughs> News. I don't know, but how expensive would it be? That's like a forty dollars T-shirt at Hudson News, sure, right? Sure, sure. Right? Because like gummy bears, gummy bears are like four fifty, right? And iced tea is like three fifty, four dollars. Once they get you in that airport, man. I mean, can't yes. no one can go out and get him like a a better shirt than that? That's
0: it's what he chose. I know. It's like going. <laughs> I. It's like when you go on vacation and you immediately are there and you just put the shirt on right away. That's what, yeah, that's what he did. Do you buy shirts that say where you've been? No, I, I do buy stuff at events. So like, you know, U.S. Open when we were at Pebble Beach a few years ago and at Shinnecock, I'll buy shirts and I'll buy hats with that. But like if I we went to Savannah, Georgia a few years ago, I did not buy a shirt that said Savannah, Georgia
4: on it. Yeah, that's that's kind of a grandparent. It feels like a grandparent or a Midwest thing, right? When you're flying back from somebody and you ha- you're flying back from somewhere and you have the t shirt on of where you flew from. Sure. Like, oh, Disneyland, huh? How'd you know? <laughs> you're wearing the t shirt. Oh, uh, Tampa Gardens, huh? How'd you know? Wearing the Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, Venice Beach, if you smell like weed and like a homeless person, then you're you are going to – you don't even need a shirt that says uh, Venice Beach. I only lift weights there, so I wouldn't know much about it. <laughs> you're laughing too hard, Doug. It's too hard. It's just funny because we're making fun of what the reality of Venice Beach. It's so sure. gross yeah. now. It is just inc- – it, it was a cool place. It's now gross. Um, there's different kinds of idiots in society. Not all idiots are dumb. Just smart people can say dumb things. I got two of them next for you on The Doug Gottlieb Show.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
2: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Zumo
5: Play.